Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm on the board of Team DC. I've played and loved sports my entire life, and I've played with the DC Furies and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC and I'm a diehard sports fan. I've played with many of the Team DC sports member leagues, including the DC GFFL, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, Kara Bowling, and recently the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. And I also do a little drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome everyone, Laura and Gabe here. It's the fifth day of the best month of the year and you are listening to episode 16 of Under the Bleachers. On this podcast, we take turns and this week it's Gabe's turn to choose our topics. For our discussion of all things queer, we will discuss Netflix's karaoke competition, Sing On. For our conversation on all things sports, we're talking about the NFL needing to get their shit together. And for the intersection of sports and queer, we will discuss the San Diego Loyal Soccer Club recent walk-off after a homophobic slur was used. After that, we're going to share our interview with area athlete David Kinder. Before we get into our topics, we always like to give you an update on Team DC. As a reminder, Team DC's Challenge Cup is coming back. This year's event will be October 17th and will be a virtual event on Zoom. Registration is now open. Go to teamdc.rallyup.com backslash challenge cup two to register. Teams of five will play games like trivia, celebrity name game, name that tune, charades, and family feud. Plus solve puzzles and brain teasers for points. The event finale features a virtual escape room competition. The winning team will get their name on a trophy and win a private party for up to 30 people at pitchers with complimentary food and beverages. Your team can start earning points for the event as soon as you're registered. But time is running out to earn the early registration bonus. Register by October 11th to earn five points. You can also earn points by referring other teams to register. For every team that registers and names your team as referring them, you'll earn 10 points and they'll earn five. And you can also buy and sell raffle tickets right for the registration page and earn two points for every $10 you raise. Raffle tickets are a dollar each with a minimum purchase of 10. The raffle prize is four lower-level tickets to a mutually agreed-upon future Washington Nationals game. Get your team together and register for this fun event. And if you can't join us, you can support Team DC and get a chance to win a great prize by buying raffle tickets. Event registration and raffle ticket sales can be found at teamdc.rallyup.com backslash challengecup2. Gabe and I will be bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Taking the extra few seconds to hit those buttons or type a quick review means a lot to help us get the word out. And share us with a friend or two if you know people that would be interested in listening in. With that, here's Gabe with our first topic in this week's trip under the bleachers. All right, for my topic of all things queer, I'm talking about my summer guilty pleasure, Netflix's Sing On. This goofy karaoke competition has six contestants battle each other out in five rounds for a chance to win up to $60,000 or 30,000 euros, depending on which franchise you watch. The show uses a vocal analyzer to determine how accurate the singing is compared to the original recording artist and to determine the amount of prize money that was earned. Each host also has a special prize to award for the best performance. Sing on Spain and Sing on Germany debuted on Netflix in July and August, respectively. The U.S. version hosted by Titus Burgess premiered on September 16th. I personally prefer the European versions, mainly for host Ricky Marino, but that's just me. I guarantee that you'll start with one episode and you'll be in a karaoke binge for a few hours. All right, Laura, did he catch any of these uh, sing-on episodes? What do you think? I think it's unwatchable. (laughs) (laughs) Why? So I started with the U.S. version. That that was a problem. Well, see, the thing is, is I thought I loved Titus Burgess. Three episodes of sing-on, and I now think that Titus Burgess should be banned from television, from the internet. It's not fun like he is goofy (laughs) he's more interested in his own singing voice than the competition itself 
His, yeah. He's just hokey. I don't, I don't like it. And I usually love game shows, but honestly, I was like, this is bullshit. He's just not, he doesn't entertain me. He annoys me. Um, <laughs> I like the concept of the karaoke and it reminds me of, there used to be this video game. I'm sure there's some version of it still out in the world today, but this was back in the day when I had a PlayStation 2, I think. Um, there was this game called Karaoke Revolution and I was obsessed with it. I lived, I, there was a two year period of my life where I lived with two of my best friends from college. The three of us lived in this house on the, this house on Long Beach in New York. And we bought this game, like four different versions of this game. And we would just have a karaoke party every fucking night. Like the people who lived around us wanted to kill us. There was a bar across the street and people would be like in the parking lot of the bar, like yelling at us because we were singing karaoke all hours of the night. <laughs> but it was this amazing game that had this same like vocal analyzer. So you would see while you were singing the karaoke, you would sing it. And the, how well you did. The, you know, yeah, the analyzer would show you. And it's like monitoring your tone um, and also your tempo to get it as close as possible. So it was like, it's like, and it was super fun. I was obsessed with it. So you would think that I would like watching this show, but I don't like, it was ju <laughs> it's just, I don't know why I couldn't get into it. So I will give you that. I then watched um, a couple episodes of both Spain and Germany. And I agree with you that the best of the three is Spain. I love Spain. But I can't say I love it, and I can say that I truly did not like the U.S. version or the German version. I, the only thing I like about the German version is listening to that woman say, Gary, okay. Or, <laughs> like, that's my favorite, that, that Paulina, pe Paulina Performance Prize. <laughs> yeah, and then she calls it the pee pee pee. <laughs> what I thought it was funny is, like, because the German show was, like, very German. Like, they were just so nice to each other, voting each other off. Like, oh, I can't vote for Helga because... Just the German show, the delightful part about it is how nice they are to each other. They're so nice. Like, they don't want to offend anyone. They're just yeah. like, uh, yes, uh, Helga was great, but she wasn't that great. So <laughs> I'm going to vote her off. Meanwhile, Thanks. I'm like, she wasn't good at all. She Helga wasn't was good. <laughs> Um, the Spain. other thing, though, like I, I have enjoyed the personalities and the flow of the show a little bit better on this on the Spanish version and the German version, but they don't. I don't recognize as many of the songs, and like when they do the songs in Spanish, I'm like, I don't speak Spanish, and I'm always like bummed out by that. So that's why I'm not like I want to be able to like rock out to the songs. Um, so I want like them to be songs that I know, and I haven't been recognizing them as much. So that's why I guess I haven't been I haven't been able to get into the other versions. And Titus Burgess is just so annoying on the U.S. version, and the contestants on the U.S. version are also really obnoxious i've in the oh i've only watched three episodes but i'm not watching you don't speak anymore. german now i thought it was interesting so spain and germany have like latin night but on the u.s version they changed it to country night oh weird so i was like hmm but yeah i agree like some of the spanish songs like i hadn't heard them but i actually have them on my iphone now because <laughs> i was like i know this song or like i've heard these before and they kind of got into them like they sang this one song from the 60s and they're all like jamming out to it i was like this totally sounds like a Bond song. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I just was bummed that I couldn't like I couldn't sing along and rock out to it, so I couldn't get into it. I, I, it's all about me, Gabe. It's all about me. Have you noticed? You know the the premio de Ricky. How he always he always gives it to like the hot guy or like the gay guy that's on the show. Yeah, I was gonna say. I assume how you justify passing this topic off as a queer topic is just because you have the hots for the host of Spain. Well, he's also gay, and he's yeah, a theater, okay. theater there's star. Nobody, there's, like, yeah, well, I guess, and Titus is gay, too, right? And Titus is gay, too. I don't know about Paulina. I haven't looked her up yet, but I don't mm, think so. She doesn't strike me as... Anyway, uh, my, gaydar have, doesn't, they, my gaydar doesn't bang on Paulina, but... I, and almost I every episode has at least one gay or lesbian uh, contestant, if you haven't noticed. Oh, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> All of those guys competing, most of them are gay. <laughs> like, and the fashion and the yeah. everything. Yeah, no, and it's pretty campy too. Like I love, I mean, I love that. And I wish I liked the show more because it's, it has all the pieces of something I should love, but something about it just didn't come together for me. See, I'm wondering too, because I, I looked it up that it was all filmed outside of London in Pinewood yeah. Studios. 
So I'm wondering, are these like Americans that are abroad that they decided to do a, call, a casting call and got them all together? I mean, for the U.S. version, yeah, probably, I guess. I, but Or maybe they were cast earlier and then they flew them all to London, which seems insane. But if they were prepared to, ca- you know, to film it and then realize because of COVID they needed to move, maybe they did that. But certainly the people competing on the Spanish version and the German version are not Americans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just fly them over. It's just yeah, like, there's you know. a lot of, like, German lady love on the German version. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. It, it's just, it didn't, it didn't get me. I, I'm, I'm going to say I don't think I'm going to go back for more. Just I, give it one more chance. Just skip <laughs> forward and go to like the eighties night, or go to like one of the the movie night was eh. Go go to eighties night in all the all different right. countries, and they're pretty ridiculous. Okay, all right. I love a good eighties night, so I will commit to I mean, checking that out. Also, I noticed like in the very first episode of the German version, it was like they called it ladies' night, and it was all <laughs> female contestants, but they were like each song they're like this is a karaoke favorite and i'm like oh what is it gonna be and then they're like it's shania twain sing and i was like what is what passes as a karaoke favorite in germany uh you'd be surprised i remember um before covid i got to go to oxford um with my boyfriend and Europeans love country music for some reason. Like, <laughs> I, I just like weird. It's very strange. The songs that they kept saying were karaoke favorites. I was like, something is wrong in Germany. <laughs> we went to this karaoke bar in Oxford, and I was like, "How do you know this song? Like, I haven't yeah. heard this song in forever." You're like, wait, the best yeah, that you pick out for karaoke is like Travis Tritt. Like, we have more music. <laughs> I think I heard "Man, I Feel Like a Woman" twice. Yeah, apparently Shania Twain is big in the big. karaoke world. Weird, <laughs> weird. Um, all right. Also, you know, Ricky Marino is definitely my favorite of the three hosts, but I'm not sure about your taste in men because his hair is way too fluffy for me. Follow him on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, I think you're getting one thumbs up, one thumbs down. You guys all go check out Sing On and let us know what you think if you're if you uh, agree with me or Gabe. But I can't die. <laughs> uh, I do actually like that one. <laughs> like his like Sing On. Oh, hey. All right, Gabe. What's happening in the world of sports this week? Now for my sports topic. Okay, so there's this like global pandemic thing going on. If you haven't noticed. And I know we brought it up before in regards to other sports, but NFL, come on. (laughs) Have you learned nothing in quarantine? These are just a few highlights from the week. So cornerback A.J. Terrell of the Atlanta Falcons was the first NFL player to test positive after week two. Fast forward a few days. The Tennessee Titans now have 18 COVID-19 cases within their franchise, and they were the first NFL team to have a quote-unquote outbreak. The Titans have forced the Minnesota Vikings to shut down their facilities after playing, um, I think it was in week two or week one. And then quarterback Cam Newton of the New England Patriots has tested positive in his quarantine. The, the NFL has been forced to reschedule two games this week. New Orleans Saints fullback Michael Burton tested positive over the weekend. And six other players are now in quarantine. Those are, those are just the players. The Las Vegas Raiders were fined $50,000 for violating the NFL's COVID rules after an unauthorized team employee was allowed into the locker room. The Raiders were also fined $250,000, and head coach John Gruden was, fi- was fined $100,000 for not wearing a mask in their second game against the New Orleans Saints. And the NFL Referees Association has brought up complaints to the league about officials being yelled at by coaches who don't have a mask on. Some sports enthusiasts are floating the idea of pausing the season that just entered week four of 17. I know it's America's game, but something needs to change. <laughs> all right laura are you watching any of the games or catching on with anything that's going on in the nfl right now like did they not learn from all I mean, of sports the short answer is no of course not like the nfl is a bunch of like toxic masculinity run amok and i don't know what the fuck they thought was gonna happen but clearly when you play a sport that involves getting really close to each other and a lot of sweaty breathing 
you know, like, of course they're spreading their fucking super spreaders of this virus, which we all know is highly contagious and you get it by breathing on someone and like spitting on someone. And that's what happens in the NFL. I mean, those guys are just covered in sweat and spit by like the first 30 seconds of the game. So no, they didn't learn anything. No, this is not surprising. Yes, this is a major clusterfuck. But at the end of the day, $100,000 means nothing to John Gruden. $250,000 means nothing to the Raiders. So, you know, if somebody's not going to come down there and physically enforce the rules, like hand them a mask and say, put this on or your team forfeits, these fines are not effective. This is not, I don't understand why they're even allowing the game to continue when the coaches are yelling and spitting on referees without wearing masks. The first time a coach takes his mask off, he should be kicked out of the stadium because he's breaking a rule. He shouldn't three weeks later get a bill in the mail for a hundred thousand dollar fine. That means nothing to him. Right? So if you want to continue doing this, you have all these protocols, you have to actually enforce them and you can't enforce them through meaningless fines that come later after people have already been infected. That's the thing. Yeah. You stop it right there. Cause yeah. And we're, we're they, they're talking about, you know, 18, 20 people already being infected in barely three weeks with all these games having to be rescheduled and all, you know, throwing everything off because of travel and everything. And it's like, they are okay. wreaking havoc on fantasy football leagues everywhere. How dare they? <laughs> no, the like, whole thing get is a shit show. Do do? <laughs> Look, we live in Washington, D.C., where as of last week, uh, like, as of, like, Friday, we had 11 cases a day or something. And then as of Saturday, there were 40 cases coming out of the White House, right? So, like, we all know that toxic masculinity is a big problem in this country, and it's coming right now from inside the White House and inside the NFL. And they're going to kill us all if we're not careful. It's like, NFL, get it together. And that's the thing that kind of, like, blows my mind also is that they had time to prepare they saw what the you know what baseball did they saw what soccer did they saw what the nba did the wnba they saw what all these sports and they could have gone off and said okay this worked this didn't work what can we do to make sure one that we have a season because yes i agree americans need sports right now we need uh some sort of entertainment to take us off what's going on but now you're just reminding us that there's a pandemic because you can't get your shit together exactly like you're just making it worse um you know it's hard like because you know asking them to play an entire nfl season in a bubble Right. Like, so with basketball, you know, you can play five basketball games a week. You can compress your schedule in the NFL. You can't ask NFL players to play more than one full NFL game in a week. It's just too taxing on the body. Yeah. So, you know, you know, this season is going to last longer and the idea of having it in a bubble, it's hard. Like these teams are bigger. There's more people. You didn't, you'd need a massive bubble, right? Like it's, it's all, it's very difficult, the logistics, but baseball right had this i had a lot of those same problems and what they managed it a little bit i mean we talked last week just last week about how they didn't do a perfect job but they managed it by limiting the amount of travel and changing the season so that teams didn't play everybody as much and the nfl didn't try to do any of that right they were like no we're gonna play a regular NFL season the way we always do. The only thing we're going to do is like have these mask protocols and then they're not enforcing them. So, you know, the whole thing is a shit show. And I, I, you know, I've been trying to wean myself off of the NFL for a couple of years now for a lot of different reasons. I have a lot of issues with how they treat concussions and player safety. And there's a lot of racism seems to be really festering in the NFL for a long time. So You know, but and this is just one more reason why it's making it easier for me to not miss football as much because I just see these people as very reckless and, you know, not looking out for the health of their players, not looking out for the health health of their staff and their employees. And it's just fuck this. I, you know, I want sports as much as anybody else. I want to be able to watch things on TV that entertain me and take and let me forget for a minute that I live in a country that is like on the fast track to fascism. 
But it's not helping if I see like these virulent sports stars that you look at as if they're like the fucking epitome of health and wellness. And now they're in a hospital bed with a fatal fucking disease because they were too stupid to wear a mask when they're breathing in each other's mouths. <laughs> oh, I can't. Well, that's one thing I'm wondering if the players are actually get together and say something or actually talk to, you know, the owners or something, you know, Kind of what the NBA did where, you know, had all these walk-offs and stuff like that and finally say, hey, our players are getting sick. This is not – What do we do? I cannot risk my life to entertain you people anymore. Yeah. It's not worth it. You know, I also, like, wondered, like, why they didn't spend a little bit more time in the last couple months thinking about ways that they could maybe adjust equipment. Like, I was like, look, they're all wearing helmets – It wouldn't be perfect, but they at least could have come up with a way to put some kind of like barrier that, you know, they can't wear a mask, right? Like with the level of exertion that they're doing, but they could have figured out a way, I would think, to put some kind of like a filter on the helmets to cut down a little bit on the transmission of just like all much spit is coming out and (laughs) all that stuff. I just, and it doesn't seem like anybody tried to do anything about that. And I just, it baffles me. I don't get it. I don't know, but hopefully we'll see. I mean, there's still what 13 more weeks of football left. <laughs> Allegedly, we'll Allegedly. see. I don't. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna make it. Like, ah, whatever. I, as of now, I gather that like they have postponed these games, so presumably maybe it'll just swap out what would have been a bye week later. Yeah, they're they're, work, they're, they're trying know, to figure that. Try out. to work it out that way, but at some point, the cascading effect—if they keep having to postpone two games per week—they're not going to be able to make them all up. It's just not going to fit. They'll be playing There's football. No They'll still be playing football next June, trying to make up all these games. So, <laughs> you know, I, so I just—I don't know if the season is going to truly be able to play itself out in the way the way that they envisioned, but. You know, speedy recovery wishes for um, Cam Newton and AJ Terrell and everybody else who has contracted this horrible disease. Except for you, Donald Trump. I don't give a fuck about you. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no. So, but that having been said, like, I hope the NFL somewhere has somebody with a brain in a room somewhere trying to figure out a way to make some adjustments um, because I don't see them getting to week 17 if things keep going the way they're going. No, and I think I think the players are actually going to have to definitely say something about this because it's their lives and their health that is taking the brunt of all this. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the the other people who are probably suffering um, are the people like who are dealing with the equipment and everything else, and they don't have a voice that people listen to the way that the players do. So, if not for themselves, maybe for the other people that they're putting at risk, uh, these, you know, they need to start speaking up. Totally agree. All right. Well, that was fun. So now tell <laughs> me, <laughs> tell me uh, what's your topic for this week at the intersection of sports and queer. All right. For this week's topic of the intersection of sports and queer, we're going to discuss San Diego Loyals SC and their choice to walk off the pitch on Wednesday's match against Phoenix rising FC. This was a crucial match as both teams were vying to advance the USL Championship Conference quarterfinals that start this Thursday. The controversy centered around midfielder Colin Martin, a former D.C. United player and Maryland native who in 2018 was the first out gay player of any major U.S. sport. During halftime, Martin was issued a red card that was later rescinded by the referee after San Diego players questioned the ref. Trash talk on the field apparently turned ugly and Phoenix rising FC midfielder Junior Flemings allegedly called Martin a homophobic slur. The Loyals manager and U.S. men's national soccer team legend Landon Donovan shared a heated exchange with the referee and Phoenix Rising FC's coach Rick Shantz. The San Diego Loyal decided to walk off the field in solidarity with Martin and forfeited a match where they were leading 3-1. to one. Flemings and Shantz later tweeted that no homophobic slur was said and that they would stand with the LGBTQ movement. Both Flemings and Chance are on administrative leave pending an investigation. The week before, the San Diego Loyal forfeited a match against the LA Galaxy 2 after defender Omar Ontiveros, who unfortunately is from my hometown of Far, Texas, um, shattered the N-word at, at Loyal midfielder Elijah Martin on the field. Ontiveros and the LA Galaxy 2 mutually parted ways after an investigation. The SD Loyal and Landon Donovan adopted a new slogan after the incident, I will act... I will speak. 
we went through a really hard incident last week in the LA match, and we made a vow to ourselves, to our community, to our players, to the club, to the USL, that we would not stand for bigotry, homophobic slurs, and things that don't belong in our game, said Donovan. The two forfeited matches have guaranteed that the SD loyal will not advance to the playoffs, but the team stood up for what they believed. In the on-field audio, Landon Donovan can be heard saying, we need to get this out of our game. All right, Laura, do you think walking off the field is a good way to make a statement and change the sports culture? Okay, so I don't know. It's going to depend on uh, the USL, and it's going to depend on the players, what if they're going to make a change. Uh, do I think that they did the right thing in walking off the match? I think yes. Um, I think you have to stand up for your teammates. You have to stand up for what's right. Um, but whether it's going to be effective, we is yet to be seen, right? We have to see how the league responds. Um, I'm interested because I don't know what they're going to do in terms of an investigation here. But, you know, what happens if the result of the investigation is that they believe that Flemings was in the wrong? They're not going to go back and unforfeit the game. So they need to look at, I think, what the rules are in the league and the consequences. Because ultimately, if there was a homophobic slur um, and Flemings wasn't going to be kicked out of the game, I, I don't think it should be on um the loyal to have to forfeit and to suffer the consequences but i do think however that the loyal did the right thing you know if they thought that their teammate was being slurred not not sticking around for that to continue was the right decision on their part but i you know i don't know what else to say about that yeah so it, it's pretty interesting because like when colin martin first came out uh and they're talking about him playing this quote unquote super macho sport that's all over the the world and how the cults a uh, soccer culture is very macho, almost homophobic at times. Like I'm even thinking of a couple years ago in the World Cup when it I'm a big fan of the Mexican national soccer team. There's a chant that they use when they start the games or when they start um playing that is very you know can be it's very sensitive and, and very homophobic but it's just part of the culture and people just say hey um we've been doing this for years or whatever thing at the end of the day there's no place for homophobia in sports there's no place for homophobia in this world people need to get their shit together people need yeah. to using slurs and i don't care if you've been doing it forever i don't care if it's what you're used to. You know, we evolve as humans and we realize when we've been doing something wrong, we fucking change it. We don't keep doing it wrong just because we've always been doing it wrong. So the sport needs to evolve. The league needs to figure out a better way to deal with these incidents because, you know, you can't have the loyal being the team that's doing the right thing and then suffering the consequences of not making the playoffs as a result. Like this just ruins the sport. So they need to come up with a way to handle this. Um, and, you know, it's my opinion that players who use homophobic slurs should be treated the same way as a player who does something physically against the rules, right? Like, you know, if you do an illegal slide tackle or something and you're gonna get a red card for that, you should get the same red card if you call somebody the N word or call them a homophobic slur. Yeah. No, so like I was saying, like it, with, with the Mexican team, like they, they had to tell their fans, they, if you go and go into, go into the match, especially in the U.S., there's signs everywhere that say, do not use this chant. Do not use this. And fans were even fined for doing the, uh, the chant by FIFA. All right, so the USL Championship, they're underneath Major League Soccer. So I'm wondering if, you know, if they're going to, you know, Major League Soccer is now going to take a, a stance on this and actually try to change the culture of the game. You know, we're seeing more Pride Nights out, more stuff like that. Um, is MSL going to do something? Is the USL Championship League going to do something? And all these other developmental leagues, are they going to try to combat what's going on? No, we can hope. I mean, the one good thing about having this forfeit is that we're talking about it. It's on, it was on Good Morning America. It's on CNN. It's out in the news and people are actually having these conversations. I mean, we're having this conversation. No, that's absolutely right. Like, and this is why you can say without question that 
Landon Donovan and company did the exact right thing, right? They stood up for it. They took a stand and now people had to notice and people, you know, that's, we talk about this all the time about using your platform. And this is just another example of a group of athletes using the platform that's available to them to speak up about something that they see that is an injustice. And I'm proud of them for doing that. I hope that the league and that, um, others will get together and figure out a better way to handle this going forward so that they don't have to keep suffering the consequence of forfeits in order to do the right thing. Um, but one way or another, it doesn't, but all of that aside, that's, that's a future problem. The question today of did they do the right thing, I would say is unquestionably yes. Yeah. If you look at, or if you listen to the, the, the uh, exchange that chance had with Donovan and the referees, like Landon Donovan's like pleading, saying this is bigger than this game. We need to fix our sport and get all these, you know, this hatred out of our sport. And Chance is just like, oh, come on, man, you're overreacting. And he's like, no, I'm not. We need to fix this now. Like when we see this happen, we need to make a stand and stop it before. We can't do it afterwards. We can't, you know see 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 something happen and then talk about it later we have to actually you know act on it right as it happens and the refs are totally freaked out like they have no idea what they're doing right like they, they look I mean, they look well, scared and i don't and that's the thing right that's why the league has to step in have a policy that the refs can apply it yeah. can't be on an individual basis a referee trying to you know make a one-off call on things like this you need to decide what's going to be the policy um, of the league and yeah and you know it's people who say this isn't a big deal you know it, those people are just as complicit and as wrong you know as wrong as the people using the slurs right it's like every person who stands by and says it's not a big deal right just lets it happen again and and it escalates I mean you know I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's the same thing for a person to use a mean word as it is to like have physical violence but we have a rash, like a huge problem of physical violence against LGBT people and trans women of color in particular. And it all stems, right? It's a cascading impact. If one person is using a slur and another guy's over here saying it's not a big deal, you know, it's a domino. It's like eventually you get to why some people think it's okay to assault gay people for being gay. You know, it's it's all interconnected, and you can't um, you know you you can't just idly look by and excuse bad behavior, and then not take responsibility for the escalation of bad behavior. It's all tied in together. No, yeah, I totally agree, and I hope that more good comes out of this, and people actually take a stand. People, when they see something you know that's that's wrong, or you hear something that's said that's wrong you actually get the courage to safely say, this is wrong. We need to stop this. Right. Yep. I will act. I will speak is a very good mantra. And I, um, I applaud the San Diego loyal for what they're doing and uh, Landon Donovan for setting such a great example. Um, I'm really happy to see that. And I hope that, you know, soccer as a whole will continue to evolve and do better. Um, Gabe, thank you for making me think about soccer. I usually only think about soccer when it's time for the Women uh, World Cup to play soccer. But thank you for making me think about soccer on this lovely October uh, 2020 afternoon. Um, I need to ask why uh, October is your favorite month. Is um, it because it's my birthday month? It's also my birthday tomorrow, October 6th. I'm October 6th. Okay, happy birthday. It's also my sister's birthday tomorrow. Um, it's your birthday on the 11th. Correct, yes. So I thought that your birthday was after mine. For some reason, I thought yours was like closer to Halloween. So I wanted to get a plug in for my birthday first. But <laughs> happy birthday tomorrow, Gabe. We're all so grateful that you took this trip around the sun this year and you're still here with us and, and uh, entertaining us all the time. Still here. And also October is the gayest month of the year. It's Gay History Month. It's Halloween. It's, it is. I don't know. It's all it's, these things. It's fall. That's right. All right. Pumpkin spice season. 
All right. Well, happy birthday to Gabe. And that is this week's Under the Bleachers roundup of all things queer, things sports, and things at the intersection of sports and queer. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll share our interview with area athlete David Kinder. Welcome back. Today, we are talking to area athlete David Kinder. David is originally from London and moved to D.C. in 2016 to take a job with the World Bank. David is an avid and very successful participant in a number of sports leagues, including multiple Team DC member clubs. He has played in the Rogue Darts League since 2016 and been a member of two championship teams. He has played billiards, both with Team DC member Stonewall Billiards and with another area league, APA Billiards, since 2016. As a member of Stonewall Billiards, David won the Best Singles Player Award and has won team awards. David has also been a member of Team DC member Capital Tennis Association and has won tournaments in DC, New York, Orlando, and Boston. David has played with DC Pride Volleyball League since 2016, and he and his team have won three intermediate division championships. David also played with Stonewall Kickball from 2016 through 2018 and plays with a non-Team DC member club soccer league in which his team has won two championships. So, David, welcome. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you very much, Gabe and Laura. Lovely to be here. And I love that you described me as area athlete. I'm going to just take that and use it. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> we like to talk to area athletes, David. <laughs> I love it's it. Kind of our, it's kind of our lane. So, uh, <laughs> so um, as everybody can tell by the long uh, sort of introduction into your storied history, you play all kinds of sports now as an adult, and we are curious if you played any sports growing up or while you were in school. Yeah, um, I did. I did. I think that's it was it was quite a big part of my upbringing. I think in but so in the UK, my my parents were both uh, both into sports, and uh, we had a tennis club actually and a golf club next to the little town in Wales where I lived, and I think that they used to love. Uh, offloading parental duties by spending many evenings there so me and my little brother would would just would play mainly tennis all the time and I don't know if you know Wales but it rains a lot so we couldn't always play outside but it was it was it was fun and that's definitely what got me started okay so did you play tennis competitively growing up yeah I did so I from I play I sort of started playing when I was nine or ten I think and I had a coach and played in like the county youth team um and like kind of played competitively up to the age of about 16 or 17 and then I kind of stopped when I went to college um uh, uh and, and I don't quite know why I and I probably regret that a little bit um but I think it was mainly um uh getting to know college life and uh you not getting up in the morning <laughs> we'll say that it was because you wanted to focus on your studies that's although... yeah we'll go with let's go with that let's go with that <laughs> i that, suspect that is, it may not have been <laughs> all that but uh not, we'll go with that, that is you know, exactly i mean you know well this is this is an era of uh you know where the truth can be uh, what we want it to be so let's let's <laughs> let's use that that's true we, we appreciate alternative facts on, on <laughs> absolutely <laughs> All right, David. So how did you get involved in local area sports? Uh, yeah, well, so it was, uh, so I, I moved to DC, it's just over four years ago now. And I, um, I, I got a couple of things. I came over here because I got a really good job at the World Bank. So I was super excited. And um, also I, I came to DC at the same time that a long-term relationship had, had ended. And so I was, I was kind of coming out on my own. I was a little bit scared, didn't really know that much about America. And I, I, I was trying to think like, what would be the way to meet people um, in a way that isn't just kind of like drinking in a bar or 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 kind of other ways. And so I, I just thought, and I looked and I, I remember looking, I actually did look at the Team DC website and then I, and I just, and I was amazed. I could not believe how many different gay sports there were. And I actually, I was so excited before coming here, mainly about the fact that you had a gay darts league because darts is big <laughs> in the UK, but there is definitely not such a thing as a gay darts league. And so, and so that was, that was what I was, one of the things I was most excited about. Fair enough. Gabe and I are both fellow members of the Gay Dart League. So. Yeah, it is brilliant. It is brilliant. I love it. I love it. It's been a mainstay of my Tuesday and Thursday nights ever since moving here. <laughs> Same. Uh, did you have any role models or coaches that you looked up to as a young athlete? Um, so I, I, 
that's that's a good question um i had a few like tennis coaches growing up and and i think definitely as like a young person you you always look you always look to people who are um who are kind of older and kinder enough to share their experience but i remember i remember being really inspired by um i went to wimbledon uh when when i was really young we were 10 years old and i um uh, queued up outside uh we, we went on a school trip actually which is probably not the sort of thing you can do anymore but like 30 10 year olds and we we like camped outside Wimbledon like the night before and we were all kind of let in we managed to get like grand pass tickets on the first day and I remember seeing and this like shows my age a little bit but there was a Frenchman who I think was on the verge of retiring called Henri Leconte and I was like courtside and I remember seeing him hit the ball for the first time and being like blown away by the fact that anyone could hit the ball that hard um, and he was quite handsome as well, although, you know, who knows whether I quite registered that as a 10 year old. But um, I, I remember thinking I really, really want to play tennis after um, after coming back from a day at Wimbledon. Uh, I guess what are the other sports that you play or what, what are your favorite sports? If you can. So, yeah, I mean, this is all, all really hard questions because I, I, I kind of love them all individually. I mean, the, so it is definitely nice that you call me an area athlete. But many of my sports are mainly revolve around pubs, <laughs> which is definitely a British thing. So like darts and billiards, uh, which we call pool, um, uh, 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 things that I've done. And, I, and I, I love the fact that you can play them. One of the things I love about the States is that you, you, you kind of you take competition and do it really, really well. Like we just don't have the organization in the UK. Like you go down and you have a few drinks and you like, would, but no one would think to like create these whole leagues and have the trophies and everything. And so I find that like each of the sports that I play has a, has a kind of different, different characteristic. So tennis is my favorite just because I played that since I was, since I was nine or 10. So I kind of, but then, you know, I don't know, they, they each have their own vibe and they each attract a different type of, people which i find really interesting as well um, um which is nice because i think it makes it it makes teams quite an inclusive place for uh lgbtq plus people of whatever you want to do you'll find some kind of home somewhere in team dc i would have thought <laughs> fair enough yeah, I, I definitely think like the whole organization thing is because we have a bunch of type a gays living in <laughs> and we love to compete <laughs> We love, we love to organize. I, we love yeah, to yeah. organize anything. We will organize it and make it a competition if we can. Also, yeah, you know, the commissioners of these leagues maybe didn't get as many trophies as they wanted growing up. So <laughs> they're just out here cleaning up with all the trophies. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's quite often that the commissioners do have very strong teams in these leagues, I've noticed as well. So yeah, yeah, that's probably, a, you know, you could probably do a causal study with that. That's right. It's true. If you didn't win a trophy, start some start a league of something you're really good at and give yourself a trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I'm all for, by the way, for the record. I'm not yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not talking down on any of these people. I certainly haven't won a trophy yet. So you, David, have had a tremendous amount of success in your various sports leagues. It looks like other than maybe kickball, you've won champ multiple championships or awards in every single one. So do you have a secret? Is there something that you're hiding from all of us that you want to share? No, I was going to say make friends with the commissioners very early on. You know, that could be, that is definitely one trick. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, my friends will probably tell you this. I am really competitive. Like, and, and I, I, tend, I hopefully I'm just competitive with myself rather than being competitive in a bad way towards anyone else. But I do, I do, I really enjoy kind of, you know, you have like a long, hard day at work and various things and whatever the stresses and the strains of kind of life are. And then just being able to kind of go out and, and, and really focus on, on whatever the thing is. Uh, and yeah, and I think that, and then like, but lo most of the things I do are team sports. And I think, uh, I actually think that the teams that have the most fun are quite often likely to be the ones in these, like the types of social leagues that we play in that do well as well, because you can really pick and lift off each other. And I've, I had a, you know, a bunch of really fun teams, which have made like, you know, it's been a big part of my social life in this city, um, uh, uh, has, been, has been the friends that I've made through the sports leagues that I play in. Yeah, for sure. Although I might argue you have a chicken and egg problem with that. I mean, maybe you're having fun because y'all are beating everybody all the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, 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 we we should try a period. Maybe record this in three or four years when I've had some like fallow periods, and I'll be like hugely depressed and and, and, and be you know advocating never join any of these things again. But so you're <laughs> saying there is no secret superpower? Anybody could do it. I mean, 
unless I can bewitch people with my British accent, which like sometimes in the city, it does seem to be surprisingly the case, which I never quite understand. But yeah, you know, maybe it's that. Maybe if you can all develop fake British accents, that will help. Oh, <laughs> that I could work on. Uh, <laughs> truthfully, do you practice darts when it's not dart night? I do have a dartboard, so yes, I do practice darts. Yeah, but I also played. I played darts so much growing up. There's that. There, like, it's it's just like it's just what you do in the UK. It's like you you know people drink a lot, and so just from about like 15, 16, you go out to pubs, and then you and then obviously I was trying to do anything other than pretend that or trying to do anything other than 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 have to spend time with like women trying to go out with them, which is like what most of my friends were doing. So like anything that was like a side activity of that. Um, uh, which where I wasn't in the place where I was ready to, to either accept that I was gay or say anything about it. So I was like, oh, dartboard, brilliant. Who wants to play darts? Um, or billiards or pool or any of these other things. So I think, I think there's also a, there's a kind of thing connected with my sexuality about sports as well. Um, and re kind of reclaiming that in maybe a healthier way um, as I've got older has been, that's been a real joy. All right. Well, that's that sounds positive. I have never heard a dartboard described as a beard before, but I uh, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate how intrepid you were as a young as a young boy. <laughs> um, since we're on the topic, um, can you tell me if you um, if in your long experience of playing different sports and different games, do you find sports to be a welcoming and inclusive environment for LGBTQ people? Um, I think, I think this, that's a really hard question to answer. So I think the, one of the, one of the reasons why I've loved the, um, the DC environment and team DC is, is, um, just how amazing it is to, to be like unapologetically yourself, uh, and as gay as I want to be and never even have to ask the question whether anyone will mind. Um, and you know, and that's just—it's just fab. And I love the fact that the the the, the, the most of the, the leagues I play in there, they are also straight friendly, um, which I think is again—I think that's great. And it in and, and so so that's been a really positive experience. The I definitely wouldn't say growing up in the various sports I played in, and you know, I would do. I don't know I, we actually we would. Play, so I grew up in Wales. We'd play a lot of rugby, and um, you know, even so, and I even our coaches at school would be like, would, you know, if you, if you, if you were too slow to get the ball out of the ruck, they would say, you know, like speed it up faggot would be just a really like common thing for a teacher where I grew up in Wales to be kind of saying. Um, and so obviously in a, in a bunch of environments, I would be really, really uncomfortable. Um, and I think that has been the experience. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really hope that that changes these days, but certainly um, growing up in the kind of, um, I was going to say, you know, I would try and say 90s. Now, growing up in the 70s, 80s, as I did, um, uh, it just wasn't that. You, you know, if you were, if you thought you were gay, and and it was sports, the sports grounds weren't really a very friendly place for you. And I think a lot of people have been, and a lot of LGBT people are, are turned off sports by that environment that they have when they're younger. So I think it's, I mean, I really do think these leagues play. And I've seen people come in who've never played like darts is a classic one. You know, you don't. You know, obviously it's an athletic sport that takes lots of skill, et cetera, et cetera. But basically you can be, you can just turn up and play. And I've seen it bring loads of joy to people who've never done any kind of sporting activity before. So yeah, I think yeah. it's a mixed picture. For sure. Um, uh, how do you think like these LGBTQ leagues, how important do you think they are to, I guess, making it easier for people to come out and enjoy sports and also to start these conversations? Yeah, I mean, I, I, am a big. I mean, I'm, I, I really do think that it plays an important role. And I, 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 you know, one of the really fun things. I'm quite a chatty person. I love talking to people. Really, big, like big joy meeting new friends in the various leagues I play in. And I've, I've just had loads of conversations in the different ones, from, from conversations with like I don't know kids just out of college who've come and are just sort of trying something out for the first time and love the space that they're there to. Um, I um, actually dated a guy for a while who was on one of the rugby teams in DC, and I had a couple. I remember a really nice conversation I had with a guy, and I can't remember, you know, in his forties or fifties, and he's only just come out, and you know, he 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 wasn't yet ready to um, to to join certain other other uh, communities. He wasn't quite ready to go out on the bar scene because he thought that was a bit too much. But kind of rugby was just a kind of transition space where he felt there was a sort of safe enough space. 
um, and it was played into some things he'd done in the past. And and I just think that they can provide an entry for a lot of people. And um, yeah, and and I, as I kind of said at the beginning, like this space where you can just be kind of unapologetically yourself, and you know you can be gay and competitive, um, and sassy, and you know all the rest <laughs> of it. And it, it's a lot. Of, it brings a lot of joy, I think. Yeah, and that is a really awesome place to leave it. But before we end with you, I want to ask, is there a piece of advice um, that you would share with sort of young athletes or young gay men coming up behind you um, for how to have a successful and happy life like you? <laughs> I've, so, so, so good. That's a good question. I mean, my life has had ups and downs, uh, just like anyone else's. I actually had um, quite bad mental health issues when I was younger. I suffer from anxiety and depression, um, and I've really worked on that as I've got older. Um, and I think, I think the the advice I would give, a linked a little bit to that, and the rest of it is, is the the this. I mean, for me now, the more I can be open and vulnerable and share things, the more I find that my life um, has more richness to it. I think I would categorize my life as kind of a couple of halves. The first half where I was quite shy and reserved and I wanted to protect myself from from the world and everything around me. And then a second half where I've really tried to kind of show myself to the world and I felt like I've got much more back. So I think for kind of anyone who's out there and aspiring and who wants to do something and has a voice in their head saying, no, I can't, I shouldn't, I'm not good enough, or I, or, or I won't look good or this and that problem. You know, if you want to do it, have the confidence in yourself and, and be open, be vulnerable and just ask people for help because there are a lot of people who remember exactly what it was like to, to be starting out. Awesome. Well, David, thanks for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate getting the chance to talk and I hope we get to do it again. Yeah, a real pleasure. Thank you both very much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston, a Team DC board member, for the design of our logo. Also, our intro and outro music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com, and our podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend so that we can all keep meeting Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC Vice President Laura Freyer and Team DC Board Member for Fundraising Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the hosts and the participants on Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.